2: Welcome to tonight's Andrea K show on this amazing Tuesday. As you can tell, I am already giggling. I am Andrea K in case you're just tuning in for the first time. Dynamite and address busting through the hype, the hyperbole and the hypocrisy every night of the week. And boy, did we see that in spades today. Have y'all been watching? Did you tune in today? The Jan 6 committee added an extra day because they have that kind of explosive smoking gun. I heard of a show called was it Ironsides or was it Perry Mason some show back in the day people's parents and grandparents used to watch and they always talked about how Perry Mason had the smoking gun and that was supposed to be it today was supposed to be the testimony as a part of the show that was going to be this summer's blockbuster just squashing Top Gun Maverick and Elvis in its wake and did they deliver today? I don't know. For some reason, their star witness has been has been called Amber Heard 2.0. And we're going to share with you the details on that and why this might have backfired in the worst possible way for the Jan 6 committee. Glad to have you guys with us tonight. We want to hear from you. 888-344-1170. Did you watch this? Were you riveted? Was Liz Cheney today's modern day as a congresswoman, of course, the modern day Perry Mason. Did she? Did she provide the case cracker, as it was referred to in in uh, what was the name of that movie? Uh, My cousin Vinny, right? 888-344-1170. Bigger than the Jan six fiasco that was today in the committee hearings is actually the primaries taking place in new york and so i reached out to my dear friend jennifer kearns host of the nationally syndicated show all american radio that you can hear on iheart to come on and share with us everything that's going on the ins and outs of this primary happening in new york because it actually i think there's quite a a bit of implication for the rest of the country in what republican is going to win the primary tonight in new york so you're going to definitely want to Stay tuned after the first break to hear what Jennifer Curns has to say about that. We are streaming live right now on the Answer San Diego Facebook page, so you can feel free to comment to us there. I try to read those comments throughout the show and uh, maybe try to find a little time to squeeze them in um, before the end of the show. Okay, speaking of squeezing them in, because we got a lot to get to tonight, although it's kind of hard to squeeze them in, not as hard as it would be to say squeeze in, Hillary Clinton. But anyway, uh, my man who's with me every night of the week, it is, of course... DJ Potato Skins. And
0: the message said, <laughs> DJ Potato Skins. DJ Potato
1: Skins. Yeah, the January sixth committee's got nothing on my man Mav. Now I've seen it five times. Definitely more interesting.
2: Okay, we, now is not the time for you to be giving us another review. No. I'm and by saying. the way, it's he's and by the way, he has seen that movie in all the different varieties and formats of which you can see that movie. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about the production. That uh, see, he Skins doesn't even want to hear about this Jan sex. He doesn't even want to hear. And you know what? I'm so glad we did today because the hilarity, the comedy that ensued from this testimony today cannot be underscored in its brilliance and in its entertaining value. So this, we had heard that there was supposed to be some amazing testimony that there was going to be a star witness and everybody expected it to be somebody. If you're going to have a star witness, involved in hearings that are aimed to stop a former president of the United States from running for re-election, you would expect that it being somebody at cabinet level. So everybody was wondering, who are they going to bring in? Who is going to be the star witness, right? And it ends up that they brought in somebody that I had never heard of before. And y'all know That I have spent since Trump Trump came down the escalators and going into his presidency and all throughout his administration that I knew the ins and outs of what was going on. And and, and we had to in media because it was there was a constant insurrection and coup attempt going on through the FBI, the DOJ and beyond. Right. So and and from day one, there were leaks coming out of the White House that we had never heard before. Trump could not go to the bathroom without it being leaked that he used too many squares, okay? Yet this person comes comes and testifies today, somebody nobody's ever heard of before, providing, quote, a secondhand account, which is actually a third and fourth account, basically saying that Trump tried to strangle and choke out. <laughs> he tried to choke out a Secret Service agent from the back seat of the beast. Y'all think I'm making it up? Let me play you. The audio of this alleged woman, this alleged staffer, Cassidy Hutchinson, I believe her name is. Let's see what she has to say. Skins, please play clip eight.
3: Tony proceeded to tell me that when the president got in the beast, he was under the impression from Mr. Meadows that the off-the-record movement to the Capitol was still possible and likely to happen, but that Bobby had more information. So once the president had gotten into the vehicle with Bobby, he thought that they were going up to the Capitol. And when Bobby had relayed to him, we're not, we don't have the assets to do it, it's not secure, we're going back to the West Wing. The president had very strong, a very angry response to that. Um Tony described him as being irate. The president said something to the effect of, I'm the effing president, take me up to the Capitol now. To which Bobby responded, Sir, we have to go back to the West Wing. The president reached up towards the front of the vehicle to grab at the steering wheel. (laughs) Mr. Engel grabbed his arm, said, Sir, you need to take your hand off the steering wheel. We're going back to the West Wing. We're not going to the Capitol. Mr. Trump then used his free hand to lunge towards Bobby Angle, And Mr. <laughs> when Mr. Renato had recounted this story to me, he had motioned towards his clavicles.
1: Now, a- a- Andrea, I've seen the beast. And I've seen the size of it. Was, was Something I'm unaware of, was President Trump riding
4: shotgun.
2: <laughs> well, no, he wasn't. Well, the, it, it, first of all, we know he wasn't riding shotgun. Have you ever, the whole the purpose of the beast, and by the way, notice how she doesn't even tell anybody what the beast is, right? But then <clears throat> everybody really knows what she's referring to here, which is the it's called the beast because it is so fortified, and the purpose of it being fortified to protect the president of the United States means that president of the United States ain't sitting up in the front seat riding shotgun where he can be shot in the head. Okay, he's in the back. That's the point of the beast. And the and the and and, and if the Secret Service is going to be so strict as to follow protocol, so now let's get into. First of all, we told you there's absolutely no way physically Trump was riding in the front seat. He was in the back seat. There's no way physically he could have reached all the way across. He okay. Trump is many things. There was much talk on the campaign trail about the size of Trump's hands, but there was. Who remembers that, right? <laughs> but there was no talk. There was no talk about the length of Trump's arms. arms. No talk about that. No talk that he has become. What was that show in the '70s? The six, $6 billion dollar man with the bionic arm. Who had the? Was that him or the woman who had the bionic arm? Right. I don't remember.
1: Uh, I know. Now it's foggy.
5: I don't
2: know. But we're supposed to we're supposed to presume here. We're supposed to uh, on the one hand, supposedly the Secret Service agent is telling Trump, no, you don't get to you don't get to pick and choose where we go because I'm Secret Service and I'm in control of protocol. And protocol says I am in control of your movements because that's what Secret Service does. At the same time, we're supposed to believe he was sitting up in the front seat. The Secret Service let him violate that area of protocol. Let me tell you why he's being, this, test, this uh, witness is being referred to as Amber Heard 2.0. And it's not just because she's <laughs> absolutely a horrible actress and completely unconvincing in her testimony. It's because when uh, Amber Heard made an allegation about a particular attack that took place in the kitchen, the sequence of, e- of events were so ludicrous... That it was, she was absolutely destroyed on the stand. Who remembers the bottle story? I don't need to get graphic, right? That she was violated with the bottle and then she was, and then she was cross examined. And okay, while he had this hand over here, he had this hand strangling over here. In fact, she's almost using the same bad sequence of events and the same bad allegations in this testimony against Trump as Amber Heard did. And I kid you not. That's why she's being referred to as Amber Heard 2.0 this peop it's not an accurate thing to joke about her being the Jesse Smollett because this is even far far less believable of a hoax as Jesse Smollett. And it absolutely is a hoax. And there's nobody who's believed it. I get some tweets to read to you guys later on from some people and how the, the social media just completely is destroying her and this testimony. You know, your Jan 6 hearings have jumped the shark when you've got some no name, low level bureaucratic usherette coming out with a story that he tried to choke out Secret Service. And oh, by the way, the Secret Service agents allegedly be involved have already said that they're they're willing to come forth and give testimony that it never happened. And this is why, this is uh, one of the many reasons why this is not a legitimate hearing, because in a court of law, not only would there be a defense that would be allowed to be proffered, she would be cross-examined, but because this level of hearsay is never allowed in a court of law. Witness testimony in and of itself is the most least reliable evidence that can be presented in a trial. And hearsay evidence is never reliable and never allowed. To think that a Republican or any Congressperson would be trying to pull off this kind of a scam on the American people is absolutely appalling. Absolutely appalling. And good thing that they went so far with this nonsense because it's just more fodder for us and it's just more proof. Oh, it
1: shows their true colors. Just,
2: it just shows what an absolute sham this entire thing is and why it's going to fail. And while in the middle of all this, in the middle of its failing, in the middle of its failing, I think, as somebody pointed out today, that Trump's second term is actually going quite well. We have our Second Amendment rights restored in New York. We've got the overturning of Roe v. Wade. We've got religious protections being provided back to employers and more. So... Thank you, January 6th committee, for providing this contrast and and showing your your hand and how absolutely ridiculous you all are. All right. So with that being said, we don't even need to carry on. Oh, and she made another allegation, too, by the way, before I move on. And that's that Trump was so irate after Bill Barr's comments that he I mean, she's clearly ripping off stories. She ripped off the whole kitchen scene from uh yeah uh skins is is uh uh, um was that a strike across the plate or was that a foul ball it was a strike um Yeah, three strikes and she's out. So she's ripping off storylines from other people. She's ripped off the Amber Heard kitchen story. Um, And now she's ripping off the... She ripped off the Real Housewives of New Jersey with this claim that he flipped a table over and, you know, was throwing dishes around. So this is just complete nonsense. I'm glad they jumped the shark and showed who they really are. Later on, we'll have some funny tweets to share with you guys. I'm glad
1: you got your baseball terminology
2: right. Well, I guess I did. Um, All right, we're going to take a break. we come back, we're going to shift gears and tell you guys... uh, uh, and bringing Jennifer Kearns, host of All American Radio, to share with us what's going on in the New York governor primary race. Um, have you guys been following this? And if so, because it seems like it's kind of, it's a race people are taking sides on. Some conservatives want Andrew Giuliani, which is Rudy's kid, to be the Republican nominee. And others want Lee Zeldin. I don't know where you stand on it. I'm not sure where Jennifer Kern stands or what's best for this country, but she'll share with us when we come back. This is The Andrea K Show on AM 1170. The Answer, San Diego.
1: Andrea Kay, telling you like it is while eating a donut, too. It's The Andrea K Show on The Answer, San Diego.
2: Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show. Coming up after uh, this segment here, after the next break, we're actually we're we've got still ongoing pushback by the Democrats, not willing to accept the loss of the power to centralize and force abortions on the American people. We've got breaking news in terms of what the HHS, what the steps are that they plan to take to continue to flout the Supreme Court ruling that it must go back to the states. Uh, But now we're going to, we're going to focus, put our eyes on one state, and that is New York state because they actually are having primary elections tonight, including governor. And I'm not an expert on the state of New York. I know that like California, what happens in New York affects the rest of us. But here to share with you guys everything that you need to know about this and what it means for the country is a good friend of mine, Jennifer Kearns. She hasn't been on the show in a long time. And I just missed her. And I reached out to her today. And I said, girl, can you come on and share with us what's going on in New York? Of course, being the good friend that she did, she agreed to do so. She is the host of the nationally syndicated, all American radio show on iHeart and she joins me now. Hello, Jennifer Kearns. Welcome back. All right, we got her. All right. Yep, I'm here. There you are. We lost you guys. I missed you too. Okay, you know what? One of the things that is confusing to me, or not confusing so much, is that when it comes to the governor's race and the Republican primary, there it's like Republicans across the country are kind of split on this, and there are some that are squarely in the t- on the side of Lee Zeldin, and there then there we've got Andrew Giuliani, who to me sounds like the true MAGA candidate. So I guess I am a little confused, Jennifer Kearns, as to why okay. so many MAGA people are supporting Lee Zeldin. Who do you support? Who should Americans as well as New York New Yorkers support? And who do you think is going to pull it out tonight?
4: You know, it's interesting. I've been traveling around the country so much working on other midterm contests that I, uh, sadly, uh, up until the last few weeks, I really hadn't been paying attention to my own home state. Uh, but look, this is interesting. The results coming in tonight are bouncing all around the place. Uh, but, but the MAGA candidate, Andrew Giuliani, is, has been in the lead uh, since they started reporting uh, about a half hour ago. And now it's up to about 5% reporting. He's come down a few points, but he's holding a steady lead over Lee Zeldin. So I think this is going to get really interesting. If I were to have to choose between the two, look, I, I love Lee Zeldin. think he's great. But, you know, you and I, we like people with some fire in their belly and some passion and some people who are going to walk right up to a Democrat and tell them exactly what's wrong with their policies. And I think in this case... That's going to be Andrew Giuliani. Now, uh, the reason um, he is the MAGA candidate, in my view, he uh, worked in the Trump White House. He worked uh, building coalitions. it was a tough job to do uh, in in the middle to early days of the Trump administration. Uh, and look, and we know his dad. We know you know he he's got this fight in his DNA. Um, he grew up in New York City. He saw what his dad was able to do to turn the city around, turn the state around. And, uh, and so I think that's what people like about him. I noticed in their 11th hour campaigning last night that um, Andrew Giuliani was actually on Gutfeld on Fox. And some people might say, well, what's a guy running for a governorship? What's he doing on the national network? Well, you have to remember, um, Fox News has replaced the evening news in most places. Newsmax has replaced the evening newscast with Dan Rather in most households. So, um, so Andrew, I think that was a good move. He showed kind of the issues he showed, he had a great sense of humor. He was like rocking and rolling, ready to go. Compare that to Lee Zeldin, who, I'm not saying Lee is a rhino, he's not. He's a pride and true conservative. He's got a good NRA record. He's got a good, you know, Heritage Foundation uh, support, all this stuff. But compare the energy. He's got more of that, what Trump would call the Jeb Bush energy, right? Mm-hmm. Lee Zeldin, by, by contrast to Giuliani being on Duttle last night, uh, like it was a party uh, Lee Zeldin was on daytime TV yesterday answering questions. His energy was a little more like this. Um, so who is going to be the best person to take on Kathy Hochul for governor? It's definitely going to be Andrew Giuliani. That mm-hmm. is my guess. And looking at the numbers, again, we just went up another percent, 6% reported now in New York. Uh, he's still holding a lead, Andrew Giuliani.
2: Yeah, when I um, speak to Newsmax, I was on, I think it was a week or so ago, and they played, It was it was the morning after, Uh, Eric Bowling had done a debate. Uh, of of them and the the big talking the, the big news the headlines the following morning was how Lee Zeldin was was on the attack and, and referred to Giuliani as the Chick-fil-A, you know, errand boy and I was the only one on the panel that didn't appreciate that because um yeah. you know because for for a variety of reasons number one it was demeaning and there was no excuse for it um because you know why give a soundbite to the Democrats It can be used if he wins the primary and number two it took all the focus away on the issues which is what it needs to be for the voters of New York to be able to see where all they stand on the issues. And number three, I thought, where is where is this uh, tough guy, Zeldin, Lee Zeldin, Ben? I have never heard him use that kind of harsh rhetoric or language going up against any Democrat. I think uh, in terms of his voting record, I do think he's more conservative than, you know, others, but that doesn't make him MAGA for me. At that point, Andrew Giuliani was the only one. He, he made a joke about actually being on the stage having not had the shot and whether or not, whatever you believe in the shot, at least he had the courage to stand up for what he believes in, and you know going forward um that 's what we have to have we need it 's not enough to have an r after somebody 's name and have a good voting record after their name because there are bigger battles and more fierce battles to come it 's easy to take a good position as a Republican on the n r a but are you willing to go hard when it comes on it comes with this lbgtq stuff going on so um, so many of these establishment Republicans. Don't have the fire when it comes to dealing with the pop pop culture issues, which are really the issues destroying the nation. Um, tell everybody, Jen Kearns, host of All American Radio, what you think the fallout or the implication for the rest of this country is with a, a Republican possibly having the opportunity to become governor of New York.
4: Well, uh, look, I'm glad you brought up the shot. I'll say this quickly. Um, the fact that Andrew Giuliani was not allowed in any of the mainstream debates and had to join by flat screen TV like he was Max Headroom from the 1980s, I think that made a lot of New Yorkers mad because we in New York uh, literally just were able to start going to restaurants two months ago without having to show a vaccine passport. Uh, and, and that's just on Americans. So I think that's where he's 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 getting some, some of the votes kicking in uh, on that. I do think it's going to be a nail-biter. This would be significant uh, because you see out in California, they weren't quite able to get Gavin Newsom last year. If New York were able to get a Republican governor, that would be significant. And and I think the fact that Andrew Cuomo and that big New York name is not on the ticket, I think it is actually possible to do. Uh, you look at how the lockdowns really tore down you know, New York City. You walk every... Two, two out of three businesses are closed. Only one out of three is open. You're like, oh, there's one that's actually open. Hey. Yeah. Or maybe I won't good shot while I'm walking down the street. Uh, it would be significant. And and we're going to have a red wave either way. Um, I was at a big a, a congressional event last week uh, where very high up people spoke. They're looking at not just the 15 or so seats they need to get control back. They're looking at taking 60 seats. That's six wow think it can be done. They want to deliver such a powerful punch at the ballot box that it puts Nancy Pelosi to shame so that she has to retire. They want to not just win and not just have a red wave. They want to embarrass Nancy Pelosi so she finally goes to retirement. And they want to completely halt the uh, mandates that Joe Biden is on because we're, we're just, you know, everybody agrees this country is on the wrong track.
2: All right. So Skins has a question he wants to know. And I'm not sure if, if I understand your question here, Skins, um, if she thinks that um, a GOP governor can impact California and the Democrat hold here. I'm not Yeah, sure. basically
1: if if we get a Republican governor over in New York, it, you know, maybe, you know, most likely Newsom wins here in November. But if that's going to show people that, you know what, it's possible in New York that that could eventually happen in California.
4: Well, I think No, I think the short answer is no, only Mm -hmm. because Gavin Newsom is just he he's just like Teflon, you know, you just can't beat him. Um, but look, I think what does temper Gavin Newsom is if Joe Biden has to temper his liberal positions in order to be reelected, I think you're going to see Gavin Newsom slow his role on some of the programs that he's putting in place, climate change and, um, refunds and green energy and all the things he's doing, making, you know, California the abortion tourism capital of the mm-hmm. world. If he has to go up against a Biden or anyone else, that's going to be not so liberal in 2024. Um, you know, Gavin's going to have to temper his himself a bit, but he's running. Make no mistake about it. I yeah. knew this about two years ago, and David Axelrod kind of confirmed that the other day. So he he's running, um, and it'll be interesting to to see how far he gets in the process.
2: Going into the midterms, um, what what are the two or three key races you're looking at?
4: Um, Well, two races, uh, I'm looking at a couple in California, obviously, you know, Young Tim's race in Orange County, that one's flip-flops back and forth, Uh, Michelle Steele's, boy, there are some all across the country, even Dr. Oz's race up in Pennsylvania, the U.S. Senate race, Um, but, you know, you look at the voter intensity, and here's the big question everybody's been asking, right? How does the Roe versus Wade being overturned, does that actually hurt Republicans? Here's the short answer. I don't think it does, as it would have in years past, and here's why. The polling on the abortion issue has steeply declined for Democrats over the last 10 years. It does not have the voter intensity that it once did. 65% of Americans think abortion should uh, be limited and not be available on demand on every corner and every doctor's office. 85% 85% of Americans, this is according to Gallup poll, by the way, not Fox, not Newsmax, Gallup poll, 85% of Americans uh, only uh, want uh, the abortion, if at all possible, to happen in the first or second month. They don't want it in the third trimester. 40% of Americans, according to an Associated Press poll, again, no, no conservative poll there, 40% of Americans now agree with the heartbeat bill's where if you hear the baby's heartbeat, you can't have the abortion. That starts at 15 weeks, by the way. This was something, Andrea, as you know, 8 to 10 years ago was only a Christian conservative, Ralph Reed, family values kind of law. 40% of Americans support that. That's pretty good. And lastly, uh, the support for abortion is pretty split. If you ask people, are you pro-choice or pro-life, 49% say they're pro-choice. 47% 47% say they're pro, pro-life. So that is within the margin of error. That is a dead, even split. So they just don't have the voter intensity to get women out to vote on a single issue, especially not on the backdrop of gas prices, inflation, the economy, jobs, all the other things that are going to be on the ballot, because those kitchen table issues are typically what drives the in
2: Right. Always dead on with the analysis. Rasmussen, this is according to Newsmax where Jennifer Kearns is a contributor. Rasmussen came out with a poll today that it, that, um, it split 50% Of people polled, and this was released today, 50% supported the SCOTUS abortion ruling. Now, what's interesting about this number, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's about pro-life or pro-choice. I don't really know how the question was asked. There are many people that are pro-choice and still want it to be decided at the states because there's many Americans who understand that we should not have um, this kind of power grab of the American people and of our legislative process and, and things of this magnitude being decided by SCOTUS. So this is a bad sign for the Democrats in terms of this being uh, the get out the vote and the motivator for voters that they thought that it was going to be at one point. Jennifer Kearns, always awesome to have you on with me. Tell everybody how they can hear your show.
4: I uh, just go to all American radio.com and uh, thank you so much. Miss you guys. And have a
2: good night. Thank you, hon. Have a great one. All right. Now, speaking of abortion and Roe v. Wade, there is continuing to be breaking news on this. And I know some people don't want to hear about it anymore. But you know what? When it affects the freedoms of the American people, when it affects our tax uh, dollars, when it affects uh, the us and our future as a country, we got to continue to report on it. How is Mayorkas and the Department of Homeland Security, how is the HHA's people, how are they planning to flout the supreme court and their ruling. Stay tuned we'll tell y'all about it when we come back from the break. This is the Andrea K show on AM 1170 the Answer, San Diego.
1: AK, Dynamite in a dress or just Andrea Kay, whatever you call her. She's on the Answer San Diego.
2: Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K show. So um, we talked last night about how I think it actually was one of our callers who mentioned about why the left's reaction is what it is to the overturning of Roe v. Wade, because it's basically about them not wanting to give up their power, which is what Roe v. Wade was all about in the first place. So what is today's assortment of evidence showing how the how the left is continuing to refuse to give up their power and keep the grip uh, through the, the, uh, I hate to use just hyperbolic terms, but, uh, through abortion and killing children. Why, h- h- what attempts today are they making? Well, it's actually involving, um, different departments from the Pentagon to Health and Human Services. And then we can always count on AOC herself providing a great sound bite. <laughs> and the one that everybody in a moment we're going to share with you. And go through um, all everything that I called him Mayorcus before, but Javier Becerra is planning to do with uh, health and human services. But let's start with AOC's plan to keep the federal government in control of abortions. A uh, DJ Potato Skins, please play clip four.
4: I'll start with the babiest of the babiest of the baby steps. Open abortion clinics on federal that's land right. and red state.
2: Um, hmm, okay. Um she's being mocked endlessly for this saying she sounds like a toddler. Um, you know, as she's talking about baby steps, I'm not an attorney, but skins, if um if it's up to the states as to what happens in their states when it comes to abortion, that means what happens in in their states involving abortion is up to the states.
1: Yeah, you can't overturn that.
2: Just because it's federal land. For example, we've got federal land all over in the state of California and federal parks.
1: But California rule would
2: be California rule. Exactly. Which brings me to the Department of Defense. They've issued some statements today in which they've said, and this was kind of confusing to to Skins and I before, which and you, you thought very...
1: I think it's on purpose, supposed to be.
2: Yeah. And let me tell you guys what their statement was today. Uh, senior Pentagon officials, Defense Under Secretary of Personnel Gilbert Cisnero said, um, The overturning of Roe v. Wade, quote, will have significant implications for our service members, dependents, and other beneficiaries of DOD healthcare services and civilian employees, as well as the readiness of the force. Um, they went on to say, um, you know, could create a situation where service members are stationed in a state that does not permit them or family member to obtain an abortion. Under federal law, the Department of Defense is only able to provide abortions in cases of rape, incest, or in cases of where the mother's life is at risk. So that's the first point of confusion, Skins, because if the Defense Department is saying the federal government, they're only allowed to provide, and with the Defense Defense Department, that would mean like... Uh, the medical facilities that the defense, Defense Department has, like Balboa Hospital here in San Diego. So they're currently, I guess, if I read this correctly, they're currently only able to provide abortions in cases of rape incest or in cases where the mother's life is at risk. It goes on to say the Supreme Court's decision does not prohibit the department from continuing to perform covered abortions consistent with federal law. Cisneros wrote, there will be no interruption to this care. Healthcare providers will continue to follow existing departmental policy and the leadership of medical military medical treatment facilities will implement measures to ensure continued access to care. Um, it is the Department of Justice's longstanding position that states generally may not impose criminal or civil liability on federal employees who perform their duties in manner authorized by federal law. Okay, well I have, have She's still alive, a mother who worked for 40 years for the federal government at, um, different departments, interior, justice, um, labor. I think she worked for every department except defense. I think she worked for every department except the state department and, and, and across the country uh, from Louisiana. She worked for labor in Louisiana and here, interior here, defense department around the country. So it was across state lines and in every job she had for the federal government whatever department it was for she was subject to the state laws in that state and that included abortion so this this is a lot of weasel speak going on to try to basically come up with excuses in which they can flout state law but even under their own argument this should still only be available to those who were who have or uh, pregnant and want an abortion um and as a result of rape or incest or when the mother's life is at risk so a lot of confusion here and typically when there's confusion when it really is when there really shouldn't be and they want to create confusion and this is and i think i mentioned this on last night's on last night's show i saw a headline up on the monitor and it said um, you know, chaos and confusion at the local level. No, there's really no chaos or confusion. You can find out quickly what the law is in your state. And that's what the law is in your state. And being a federal employee, you're just a civil servant. Yes, there's a different you're just a civil servant. It doesn't mean and you and and as a civil servant, you have different health um, healthcare benefits in terms of coverage, you get more sick days off. Um uh but you're still subject to whatever the law is of the state. Being a federal government, being a federal worker does not give you a pass on state laws. You're not, you don't get, it's not like some kind of diplomat immunity.
1: No, if you're in Wyoming, you're here to Wyoming laws, California, same thing, California law.
2: Right. And now it may get a little squishy under the uh, the military uniform code of justice, which is where they have their own criminal laws. But my understanding even of that is when it comes to this kind of stuff, that has to do with crimes within the military. That doesn't have anything to do with as civilians. When you leave the base and you're out here as a military, you know, um, service personnel, you're subject to the state laws that are in place in that state. So that's my take on that. And it's disturbing to once again see the Department of Justice to be politicized, and particularly uh, in this arena. Um, We will get to the steps that the HHS is planning to take. We're going to take a skinny, tiny little break. It's going to take a little bit more time than we had in this segment. So stay tuned for that. Speaking of muddy in the waters, what's their steps? It's not quite clear, but it all leads to give it a big middle finger to the Supreme Court and them doing everything that they can to retain a centralized power over the United States. This is the Andrea Kay Show on AM 1170. The answer, San Diego.
1: News, politics and current events. It's the Andrea Kay Show on The Answer, San Diego.
2: Welcome back to tonight's Andrea Kay Show. Glad to have you guys here with me. I know Kamala Harris had some ridiculous comments to say (laughs) regarding the overturning of Roe v. Wade uh, in an interview with CNN. We're going to share that with you guys in our next segment. But right now, um, I did want to get to this HHS press conference that he held today. Secretary Becerra saying that he's directing Medicare, Medicaid services to take every legal available step to protect family planning care. And this, of course, is against the law of the land which is that this must be going back to the states and allowing the american people and the legislatures at the local level to handle this and what i found interesting and skins and i did when we were listening to this earlier is that we couldn't really quite make sense of what these and he lays out very four very clear steps that when you're listening to it are not clear at all i mean this this cabinet secretary almost makes aoc and and Kamala Harris sound like they're reasonable. It makes Joe Biden sound clear-headed. Skins, please play clip two. First,
5: HHS will take steps to increase access to medication abortion. Federal law requires our programs to provide medication abortion in certain circumstances, such as the life of the woman, rape, or incest. Now, more than ever, it is imperative that all federally supported programs and services are complying with the law. Second, I am directing the Office for Civil Rights within HHS to ensure patient privacy and non-discrimination for patients seeking reproductive health care, as well as for providers who offer, offer that reproductive health care service.
2: Okay, hold up a second there, Skins. He's talking about who knew, by the way, that HHS had an Office for Civil Rights within Health and Human Services. And to ensure patient privacy and non-discrimination. Where was this when uh, the American people wanted to have the right as to whether or not they got the shot? And where, and, and in particular, where was this Office of Civil Rights when pregnant women wanted to be able to make that decision by themselves and with their doctor? They weren't afforded that right. Pregnant women in this country, particularly federal workers, were told you either take the jab or you're going to be fired. I find that absolutely astounding and hypocritical and ridiculous uh, for him to be quoting and acting the the hypocrisy here with this. Uh, I feel I feel like it's almost so obvious that we shouldn't even need to be pointing it out. But there's an office for civil rights within HHS. It's just that it's only uh, it's not available to those of us that actually want our civil rights and our and our body uh, uh, autonomy to be protected. It's just not available to us. Um, Skins, please continue. Number three.
5: Third, I am directing the department to examine its authority under the Emergency Medical Treatment and Active Labor Act, EMTALA, to ensure that clinical judgment of doctors and hospitals is supported in treating pregnant patients, including those experiencing pregnancy loss or complications, and reaffirming that abortion care can be appropriate to stabilize patients.
2: Okay, let's talk about that for a minute. So there is something called the Emergency Medical Treatment and Active Labor Act that, that, that preserves the judgment of doctors and hospitals and supporting and treating pregnant patients. I guess when it comes to them not wanting a, a jab that, that could cause them a spontaneous abortion or kill their, kill their baby. We now know from the Pfizer documents, right, that from the Pfizer documents that it's not safe for pregnant women. It's not safe for infants in the womb. And it's not safe for infants outside of the room because it contaminates the breast milk. Health and Human Services doesn't give a crap about any any pregnant woman, her pregnancy, the baby, or anything related to patient care. This is about power and control. Skins, please continue with number four.
5: Fourth, I am directing all agencies in my department to work to ensure that all providers, from doctors to pharmacists to clinics, have appropriate training and resources to handle family planning needs, including administering patient referrals for care and helping patients navigate this new reality. Fifth, I am directing the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, CMS, to take every legally available step to protect family planning care, including emergency contraceptives and long-acting reversible contraceptives, such as IUDs, Health care is a matter to be decided by patients and their providers. As part of these efforts, we will make clear that family planning providers are able to participate in the Medicaid program. These clinics provide safe care and have a vast exper- expertise in providing reproductive health care
2: all right. Let's remind everybody that abortion is, has has nothing to do with health care. It ends the life of a child, and it's and it's and it's flat out infanticide and murder when it gets past a certain point. Even if you want to be squishy and debate, you know what's going on inside of the womb for a second or, or, or third week or fifth week into pregnancy. Um, if we've got all this going on in the HHS, in terms of this this emergency treatment, this and the Office of Civil Rights and the federal law requires our programs. Um, We need to have some some Republicans if we're going to have a red wave skins, we need them to be talking about what they're going to do from a legislative standpoint uh, to stop this federal law requiring programs um, that have to do with with um, with forcing doctors to do certain things as well as why we do not have legislation that uses the Office of Civil Rights to protect workers, employees, and people in terms of the shots. I was just going to say that.
1: They should remember their words here because if they start pushing the shots heavy again because they're not through with it— This should apply in the exact same manner.
2: Well, what we need is uh, we need legislation from the Republicans and they need to be talking right now on the campaign trail about this, as well as legislation that pushes back against this. I'm not sure what he means about referrals. He's talking about referral skins. What what referral for for, um, reproductive care is he talking about? Some clinics they plan to put up somewhere? Possibly. What was Kamala Harris talking about on CNN? Fatherhood and all that. We'll break it down for you. We'll translate it for you in the next segment of tonight's Andrea Kay Show. So don't you go anywhere.